Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast, where we bring Sunday home. Join us as we dive deeper into First Baptist's weekly sermons, discuss practical applications, and answer your questions. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast. I'm Jordan Upton, the Director of Broadcast and Media Outreach here at First Baptist, and with me as always is Pastor Jeff Reynolds. Jeff, how are you doing today? Great, Jordan. How are you, man? How was your weekend? It was really good. It was really good. Listeners, as you can see, I've gotten a haircut, so. <laughs> it looks really good, as Thank I'm you. sure all of our listeners will agree. Yeah, I was starting to look like Shaggy there for a little bit, so <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling better, feeling more like Fred, I guess, but. What, what did they say? Shoinks. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the combination of everything that all of them said at the same time. There you go. <laughs> so this week, we're talking about prayer. Our scripture was from 1 Peter 5, 6 through 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Okay, so Jeff, I have a pretty simple question that gets more complicated when you think about it. What is the balance between praying for an answer and acting in faith? Well, there are really two extremes. One extreme is complete inaction because I'm completely devoting myself to the prayer closet and I never do anything. And I think I think we want to be careful with that, that, that Jesus is our model, and he did a lot of stuff. Uh, there were moments where he went away, where he got away and was alone with the Father, but he also lived out the faith in front of people uh, and did things. The other extreme is a complete prayerlessness that that looks like our continuing to act without any notion of God's interference in our action. And so we may say that we believe in God, but I've heard theologians call that a functional atheism, where I say I believe, but I live as if God has absolutely no impact on my life, no part in my life, no effect on my life. Um, so we want to avoid, I think, both of those extremes. There's a passage in the Old Testament where this is kind of on display, that Moses has led the people out of Egypt, and they are there at the Red Sea, and they are between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army, so rocking a hard place. Exodus 14, 14, Moses speaks and says, "'The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent.'" And that's reminiscent of the truth that's communicated in Psalm 46, verse 10, "'Be still and know that I am God.'" But when we kind of expand our view of what's going on in Exodus 14, we see that God actually corrects Moses here. Yeah. So, so let me read Exodus 14, 13 through 18. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. 
Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. So again, just a reminder, we should be careful just pulling single verses out um, because the context of this verse um, is Moses telling the people this wonderful thing, the Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. And God responding, what are you doing, Moses? Why are you standing there crying out to me? Lead the people forward. I'm going to show my glory, but there's a time to move forward in faith. And so I think that as we trust and follow Jesus, the situation will often dictate what we are called to do. I think we can always do the next right thing. Um, that requires a background of knowledge of the Bible. That requires a background of surrender and submission to the role of the Holy Spirit in my life and the wisdom of God. But often God will communicate through the Holy Spirit with the foundation of the Word, uh, whether we are to wait or whether we are to move forward in faith. I would say that God will never call us to sin. So if if what we're waiting on, um, if, if not waiting causes us to do something that is clearly contrary to the Word of God, then I don't believe God's calling us into that. Um, but I think that that that's why it's so important that we have a firm foundation in the Word and that we have a life that is devoted to prayer without ceasing so that we can know the voice of God because we know what He will communicate. He will never contradict His Word. Um, but we can be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leadership in our lives. I think it's instructive that Moses, the the father of the prophets, if you will, yeah. if you really go back and read the account of Moses, you know, throughout his whole life, he does make a lot of mistakes like that. Oh, yeah. But he always humbles himself and takes God's correction and moves forward in the path that God has set out before him. And what an instructive example that we're going to get it wrong. Yeah. So what do we do when we get it wrong? Well, we repent. And repenting means confessing our sin to God, uh, expressing our sorrow to God for our sin, and then going in the, the different direction that God would prescribe. So... There is a sense of reassurance that God has a hold of us and is not going to let us go. So that even when we do get it wrong, it's not like he's looking at us saying, oh, you foul sinner, I have nothing to do with you anymore. He says, no, 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 you're learning to walk. You're going to fall down. Let's get back up and let's keep walking and listen to me more closely this time. Yeah, yeah. So kind of on the opposite side of things, let's let's talk about the devil. Yeah. <laughs> so on Sunday, you talked about resisting the devil, uh, quoting First Peter here, where he says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Especially in trials, it's easy to fall into a kind of dualism, that is thinking that Satan is a match to God, like maybe omnipresent, maybe omnipowerful, something like that, right. where he can tempt everyone everywhere at the same time. Why is Satan's influence so powerful in this fallen age, for this fallen time? Well, first, the theological clarification is important. Satan is not the anti-God in terms of being a deity. He is not. Satan is a fallen angel. Satan uh, is not in all places at all times. So God is omnipresent. He is in all places at all times. Satan is not. Satan is bound by space and time. Um, God knows all things. He is omniscient. Satan is not. He knows a lot, 
but his, his knowledge is limited. Also, God is omnipotent. He can do all things. Satan is not omnipotent. His power is limited. His power is great, but his power is limited. So it's very important that we understand that Satan is not some evil deity. Uh, Satan is a, is a fallen angel. And so his power is limited, his, uh, his position is limited in time and in space, um, his knowledge is limited. There are angels who fell with him, who followed him in his rebellion, and they fell as well. We call them demons. So there is a demonic realm. That demonic realm is real, and it is influential, it is powerful, and the Bible instructs us that we are to stand firm against the work of the demonic realm in the strength of God's might. That comes from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, and that is vitally important. The devil's stronger than me. The demonic realm is stronger than me, but they are not stronger than Almighty God. And so um, when we see Jesus interacting with the enemy, particularly in terms of the temptation, uh, I think that's instructive. What do we do? Well, we do what Jesus did. We respond with Scripture. What do you do when Satan responds with Scripture? Because that's exactly what he did. Well, again, that's why you have to have this background of knowledge. That's why it's important that we read the Bible every day because Satan knows the Bible better than we do, and so he will very creatively and deceptively twist it for his own purposes to seek to steal and kill and destroy. So we want to be prayerful. We want to be submissive to God. We want to stand firm in the strength of of God's might. We want to put on the full armor of God. I would commend to you Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Uh, talks about the armor of God and how important that is. But you know, when we look at the picture of Satan, particularly in the New Testament, um, we see what he does. Um, so Paul describes Satan as the god of this age who blinds the minds of unbelievers so that they um, so that they might not believe the gospel. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Jesus had said that Satan seeks to deter the spreading of the gospel. Satan was the serpent who deceived Eve by his cunning, and also that he masquerades as an angel of light. And that's 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. So the enemy is seeking to steal from us, kill us, destroy us. That's John chapter 10, verse 10. And he is denoted in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, as the prince of the power of the air, the spirit now at work in the sons of disobedience. And so we think about the fact that Satan's desire is to rob God of his glory. So what is he going to do? Well, he is going to seek to turn our attention away from God in whatever way he can. He is going to seek to prevent human beings from glorifying God in whatever way he can. And if we look around the world today, we see that, that his influence is pervasive. Other than those who trust and follow Jesus Christ as Lord, the world has fallen into the deception of the enemy uh, that we should seek to please ourselves that we should seek to please ourselves now, that what matters is this moment, not what might come in the future, uh, that God doesn't exist. I mean, you go back to the initial temptation of Adam and Eve in the garden. Satan follows the same pattern. He's good at what he does, but he's not really creative because he doesn't have to be. He just does the same thing over and over. He questions God's word. Did God really say? He questions God's truthfulness. Well, you won't surely die. 
And he questions God's character. Well, God knows if you eat of that tree, you'll just be like him. And and essentially, and I'm paraphrasing here, he's an egomaniac and doesn't want anybody to be like him. So Satan does the same thing. Question God's word, questions God's truthfulness, questions God's character. But if he can convince you that God doesn't exist anyway, then he doesn't even have to do all those things. So I think that um, it's finally important that we understand that Satan is very real, that the demonic realm is very real, that the goal of Satan and the demonic realm is to rob God of his glory and to steal and kill and destroy in our lives, and that we resist him standing firm in the strength of God's might. Um, sometimes that means we stand firm in Scripture, and sometimes that means we run. I think about Joseph. When Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him, and that last time she said, lie with me, Joseph did exactly what was right. He took off. He got out of there. Um, Sometimes resisting Satan means getting out of the situation right now. If it's not possible to get out of the situation, that's where you stand firm in the strength of God's might, Um, standing in Scripture, responding with Scripture, um, and leaning upon Almighty God through it all. That makes me think of 1 John 4, where John says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. As you were talking, you brought up how Satan can even take Scripture and present us with Scripture and convince us with scripture to do the wrong thing. You just have to know the Bible. You have to, like you're saying, be reading every day. And when you're in that and when you're in the spirit, you'll be drawn closer to God and fleeing from the devil. Well, and, and that's why it's so important to have trusted mentors in the faith, because there is no shortage of false teachings. There is no shortage of false teachers. Um, and I think we have to be very careful that we take the whole counsel of scripture and we weigh, as the Bible says, everything that is taught. You know, I would say about my sermons on Sunday morning, don't trust it just because I said it. Uh, There's a reason I give a lot of scripture when I'm preaching. I want people to know who cares what Jeff says. My job is to tell you what God says. This is what God has said. This is how it applies in our current cultural situation. um, And this is how we live this out. But don't take my word for it. I am not the authority in the room. There's a reason we Baptists put the pulpit right in the middle of the stage, and that is because the authority is God who speaks through his word and then through his spirit appropriates his word in our lives. And so uh, no matter who the teacher is, no matter who the author is, test everything uh, against God's word. Um, and then have trusted faith mentors who can who can give you some clarity. Uh, I have people who come to me all the time and say, what do you think about this book? What do you think about this author? And sometimes I have to say, yeah, that author takes some leaps that I'm not comfortable with. And I just, I would encourage you to, to be very cautious with that. It's easy uh, to be led astray by things that sound really right, but they're really not. Got to be careful. I think we'd be remiss if we talked about prayer but didn't talk about the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. So in Luke 11, the disciples ask Jesus how to pray. He, he doesn't give them tips or techniques, but instead he tells them the Lord's Prayer. So what, what is the Lord's Prayer? 
The Lord's Prayer is a model prayer um, where Jesus teaches us things about the character of God and how we ought to approach him as we pray. And so you have Jesus saying, you know, first, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So I'm addressing God as Father through Jesus Christ, my Lord, um, because Jesus's Father is now my Father because I've been adopted by God's grace into the family of God. And I'm hallowing his name. His name is holy. His name is not Howard. Howard be thy name. It is hallowed be thy name. God is holy. And I am expressing my submissiveness to him and his purposes by saying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So God, you are holy. You are God. You are my father through Jesus Christ, my Lord. And I desire to surrender my will to your will. I desire to surrender my kingdom building to your kingdom building. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then I recognize that God is the giver of all good and perfect gifts and the sustainer of my life. Give us this day our daily bread, uh, that we are in need of everything from God, and he is in need of nothing from us. So give us this day our daily bread. Give us what we need to trust and follow you this day. Uh, and forgive us our trespasses or debts. Well, I grew up in a church where we were asking God to forgive us our debts. Yep. Uh, the Baptists want God to forgive us of our trespasses. So what's the difference? Well, they're, they're, really the idea is the debt of sin uh, or the trespasses against God's law. So seeking that forgiveness and seeking to be conformed to the likeness of Almighty God, for as we have been forgiven much, also uh, we have been called to forgive much. So forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The recognition there is an evil one who seeks to tempt, to steal, to kill, destroy. And so, Lord, lead me away from that. Deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom. Again, this recognition, and this is an addendum. Jesus didn't say these words, um, but we add this on. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So we recognize God's lordship over all, and again, our submission to him. So so you can take the Lord's Prayer, and you can make it something to say by rote repetition. I, I um, absolutely have no trouble reciting the Lord's Prayer. Do it uh, daily myself in private devotion. But I don't want to just have some mantra that I repeat. I don't think that's what Jesus was saying. I think that um, Jesus modeled prayer that was not just the Lord's Prayer being recited. Uh, for proof of that, go to John chapter 17. That whole chapter is a prayer, and it's a beautiful, beautiful prayer. So I think we can pray in ways outside of simply reciting the Lord's Prayer. However, I do think that it's an instructive model to help us recognize what we're doing, how we're doing it, and the whole purpose of our prayer. But it just reminds us of our attitude in prayer as we come before Almighty God. Um, so I think it is instructive, though, that Jesus didn't say, well, first do this, second do this, third do this, fourth do this. I mean, there's got to be a more organic nature to our prayers. Um, but I'm thankful that he gave us that model. So today's listener question is also about prayer. Listeners, if you have a question, just go to the link in the show notes or post it as a comment below. Today's question is, I've been praying for years for a family member who needs healing. This person continues to worsen in their condition. In some way, I think my attitude affects my prayer and ultimately this person's healing. 
How do you continually pray for something that is unanswered year after year? Well, let me just say, number one, don't feel like God doesn't hear your prayer. I can I can hear the ache in this question, and I know what it is to pray persistently uh, and for the answer not to come, and that's really hard, and it's really easy to get frustrated. It's really easy to uh, have a bunch of questions. Um, what I would tell this listener is what I would tell anybody. Um, take your questions to God. God, why is this not happening? Is is there something that, that I can do um, to be helpful in this? Uh, is there some sense in which I am hindering this? Now, I think the answer to that question is revealed in the heart of the question. I think this person strongly desires to see healing. I think this person strongly believes that God can heal. Uh, I think that... Um, we go to God with an attitude of faith, recognizing that He is able should He choose to move in that way. Um, people ask me all the time, do you pray for healing? Multiple times every day for a lot of different people in a lot of different situations. Does it happen instantaneously? There have been a time or two where, where healing came remarkably quickly over the course of the 20 years that, that I've been in ministry. Um, but that's by far the exception and not the rule. I think sometimes um, God is doing things in our lives or in the lives of those for whom we are praying, um, and the purpose that he is accomplishing by not answering our prayer right away uh, is greater than if he were to answer that prayer right away. I don't know exactly what this situation is, so what I don't want this listener to think is that God is somehow punishing the sick person for the frailty of the listener's prayer life, okay? Um, I don't think that's how God operates. Um, I don't think that God is somehow punishing the sick person uh, because the listener doesn't have the faith. You know, I've heard people say that before, and it's just, it's so harmful to hear things like that. Um, I don't think that's the case. But whatever the reason is that, that this healing hasn't come, Whatever the reason is that this prayer has not been answered in the affirmative as the listener would want it to be answered, um, here's what I do know. I know that if we knew everything that God knows, we would act in just the way that God acts. And that can be hard here. I'm not going to lie. That can be hard for me. But if we knew everything God knows— we would act in just the way God is acting. God is morally perfect. He's not some uh, adolescent with a magnifying glass trying to, to inflict harm, those things. Um, those, are, those are not his character. And so what I would encourage this listener to do is, is to persist in prayer, continue trusting the heart of your God, continue coming to him faithfully, uh, persevering in faith and in prayer, and uh, seeking to be helpful to this individual who's struggling with the illness um, and seeking to love them with the love of Jesus Christ. I don't know if that quite answered the question the way they wanted, but, uh, but that's the answer that I would give uh, to myself or to anybody sitting in my office. That um, God answers prayers um, in one of three ways. Yes, no, and wait. 
I don't like weight. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like weight at all. Um, it can be really hard, but we continue to trust the heart of our Father, recognizing that one day in Christ, when all is made right, uh, when everything is well, we will understand it better by and by. Amen. For me personally, I think of different characters in the Bible. Well, really, like most of the Bible and most of the Psalms, Job, even the the saints that are underneath the throne crying out to God right now uh, in the heavenlies are crying out, why are we still here? Why have we not have healing? Why, why are we still suffering? Why is this dark age still continuing on? Yeah. It's beyond my pay grade to know why, but it helps to know that all of the people that we look up to and all of the people that have the common faith with us are struggling with the same struggles and praying to the same God with the same hope. Yeah, and and that God is good and that God is um, perfect in his love for us and toward us, and one day it will all make sense. That is not today. That will come in glory. But uh, in the absence of answers right now, we continue in faith. Amen. Jeff, can you pray us out for today? Let's do it. Father, we love you, and we trust you. And Lord, sometimes the circumstances that we walk through um, are very difficult. And sometimes, Lord, your, um, your presence, your, your movement is not as clear as we would like it to be. But Lord, we are the people who walk by faith and not by sight. And just because we don't see you and just because we don't see the answers for which we are praying doesn't mean that you're not present, doesn't mean that you're not moving, and doesn't mean that you're not acting on our behalf to work all things together for good to those who love you and who are called according to your purposes. We confess that you are wise and you are perfect in your wisdom, whereas we are completely limited in our lack of wisdom. So we surrender ourselves to you. We trust you and we will follow you by faith and we will seek to live lives of surrender to you, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our channel. To submit a question about Sunday's sermon, the Bible, or walking with Jesus, click the link in the episode description. Our hosts today are Pastor Jeff Reynolds and myself, Jordan Upton. Our engineer is Elliot Beckley.